so we're in Isaiah again uh, with our loud and clear series. <coughs> Pardon me. All right, so uh, I believe we're, what, week five into this series, and we've looked at uh, the prophecy of Isaiah and, and, uh, and just that whole uh, aspect of, of these prophets, these Old Testament prophets. They would be given a word from God that they had to share with the people. It was often a very difficult word. In fact, most of the time it was a very difficult word. And, and it was because it was in a situation where the people had wandered far from God. Uh, they had uh, become uh, sinful and rebellious and idolatrous and everything else. And so God would begin to call them back to him. You need to return to me. You need to repent of your wicked ways and return to me and, uh, because I have not stopped being faithful to you. And, and, and then the message was, if you don't return to me, I'm just going to let you go down that path that you're on and let's see what happens. Let's see what happens when you step outside the umbrella of my faithfulness, of my protection, and see how vulnerable you, in, you are in this area of the world. And, and, and that's what happened. That's what happened. Isaiah's prophecies began to ring true, and foreign nations would come in and, and, uh, and conquer them and take them hostage and, and, uh, and just literally obliterate their land. And so... Um, God here, or Isaiah here in this passage that, that we're going to look at today, Isaiah chapter 46, um, he has been dealing with this idea of false gods and how incomparable God is, Jehovah God is, to all these other false gods that they're not even, not even worthy of comparison. They shouldn't even have the title God attached to them. They're so incomparable. And so he goes off on this little uh, tangent here that we're going to read in Isaiah chapter 46, where uh, he, he kind of tries to clearly define uh, exactly who, it, who he is, who it is that you're dealing with you're, when you're dealing with God most high. And so Isaiah chapter 46, start with verse 8, <coughs> says this, remember this and stand firm. <coughs> Pardon me. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done. Listen to this part, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Verse 11. Calling a bird of prey from the east. This is he's talking about actually uh, uh, King Cyrus, who would lead his armies in uh, to come in and, and, and overtake the Israelites. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country. I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. Listen to me, you stubborn of heart, you who are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness. It is not far off, and my salvation will not delay. I will put salvation in Zion for, my, for Israel, my glory. All right, so we have this picture here of, of God trying to establish who he is. I'm, I'm, I'm most high. And I love the, the parts of this passage I love the most is when he, when he says, um, you know, I have, uh, I, my counsel shall stand. I will accomplish all my purposes. I've spoken and I'll bring it to pass. I've purposed it. And I will do it. And so what I want to talk about today is this idea that in theological land is called uh, God's sovereignty. And it may be a term that you've heard before, the sovereignty of God. And all that all sovereignty means is God is in control. God is in control. That once that, that he is in complete control of this creation that he has established. He's in complete control of human history. He is in control. And, and 
when we get around that idea of the sovereignty of God, that, that there's this God out there that didn't just kind of create things and send us spinning off into space and say, good luck. But instead, he has established everything. He has a plan for everything. He is absolutely in control. Now, whenever we bring up uh, in, uh, you know, uh, spirited conversations, the idea of God's sovereignty, inevitably there's always going to be somebody who says <clears throat> something to the effect of, uh, you know, there really can't be a God, a good, kind, loving God who is in control of everything because if he was, this world would not look the way it looks. In fact, uh, let's, let's just take a, a recent event. If God is in control, I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate. I don't know if he needs an advocate, but I'll play it for a little bit. Uh, if God is in control, then why did uh, seven, eight, nine people get shot down in a church while they were praying this last week? I mean, they showed up to worship God. You would think at least uh, at that point they would have some sort of pr- protection from a God who is truly sovereign. Why, why would he allow that to happen? Why would he allow that to happen? I don't know. <laughs> Can I just tell you? I don't know. Um, but here's the thing. God's God and I'm not. God's God and I'm not. And when things happen um, that, that kind of twist our gut, and when things happen that, uh, that are really hard for us to swallow and maybe make us question and doubt and things like that, um, it does not make, just because our understanding of a situation is partial, is, is weak, uh, it does not make God any less God. It just makes us more human doesn't make God any less God. Um, and the challenge for us as, as followers of, of Christ is to not, a, a, not let events like that or other events begin to sway our faith. The fact of the matter is that God did not cause that to happen. Sinful human beings caused that to happen. The Steve, the, uh, I heard a song last night. Um, you know, that talked about the thief has come to steal and to kill and destroy. And, and that's Satan's job. That's the enemy's job is to get us off track and to discourage us and to try to get us to give up on our faith. And as long as sin reigns over this world, uh, that's the case. But we have hope. We have hope that God has promised that he will come and set all things right. He'll come and set all things right. Um. Today's Father's Day, and so I thought I, w- I would read uh, one of my favorite father's passages in all of uh, the Bible. This is, I want you to read it with me. Go ahead and put the next slide up there. <clears throat> it's the Lord's Prayer. It's the Lord's Prayer. When Jesus, his disciples came to Jesus and said, you've got to teach us how to pray. They saw him praying. They were like, you have to teach us how to do that. There was something different about the way he was praying that they were like, I don't, you know, normal people don't pray that way. And so he said, okay, when you pray, pray like this. I want you to read it with me right now. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So this this prayer, commonly known as the Lord's Prayer, 
uh, my favorite part of the entire prayer is actually the first two words. Our Father. Our Father. And, and I've preached sermons like this, and you've probably heard sermons preached like this, where, where the significance of Jesus saying when you pray, pray like this, Our Father, is that there was, he was actually encouraging people to pray with a kind of familiarity to the God of the universe, to not, you know, not to have to pray lofty, lofty words, but instead call him father. And another, another place he said, call him Abba, the kind of the word for daddy. Um, in, in other words, he is, he is that, he should be that close that you should have that kind of intimate relationship with him as God. He's your, he's your father. He's your father. And, and all of that is true, but there's also a lot deeper theological meaning that I think those early uh, Jews picked up on that we don't as we don't readily pick up on uh, today because we're so far removed from the situation. When Jesus told his disciples, "When you pray, pray like this," and the first words out of his mouth was, "Our Father," there was something about that that rang true in their ears because of everything that they had been taught growing up. This was not the first time that God had been called Father in the history of the Israelites. It wasn't the first time at all. In fact, go ahead and put that next slide up. Um, if you look back all the way to Exodus, when, Moses, when God sends Moses in to talk to Pharaoh, he t- sends him in and says, I want you to you know, go get Pharaoh to let the Israelites go to free them from slavery. And he says this, then you shall say to Pharaoh, <coughs> thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. And again, Isaiah, uh, in his prophecy, says this, For you are our father, though Abraham does not know us, and Israel does not acknowledge us. You, O Lord, are our father, our redeemer, from of old is your name. And there are little uh, references to God as father scattered throughout all the Old Testament. And every time God is mentioned as father, it's done in the context of he is going to rescue us. He's going to rescue us. He has a plan. We are in this, this uh, pile that we can't get out of, but God has a plan to rescue us, to redeem us, to restore us to the position that he has ultimately called us to. He has, he has a plan. He has a plan. I remember uh, as a kid uh, being around my own father, and I, I think and hope my, my own kids have experienced the same sens- sensation. Maybe you can identify with it too, and if you can't, um, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. And... Um, but, but let me just talk. My, it, with when I was a kid, um, there was something about even though, like my dad was was far from a perfect man. He is far from a perfect man. Um, but there was something about when my dad was around, I didn't fear anything. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Like like when my when I was with my dad, like when it was just me and mom. You know, I felt like I had to be a little alert, you know, that sort of thing, right? But when dad was around, man, I could just, I could relax. I could let my mind go wherever it wanted to go. And, and I was, I just felt secure. I, did, I wasn't thinking about it in those terms, but I felt so secure that I didn't have to think about it. You know what I'm saying? And it was just that, just that sensation of being around dad. He, like he had whatever it was that I needed, whatever that was going to come up, I just knew dad would have a plan and, and everything would be okay. I just, it was complete confidence. Again, not that, I, not that I looked at him as some sort of 
model of perfection because, again, he wasn't. He was also a little bit scary. <laughs> it was quite scary, actually. Like, like my dad, this is, this is, my dad sat me and my brother Kenny down uh, when we were in like junior high, and and this was you know the talk. This was the talk that he gave uh, me and Kenny. He set us down. And he said, uh, kind of got you know he stared at us for a little while, and then he just said um, uh, very sternly, he said, if, if I ever catch you drinking or doing drugs or having sex. I will kill you. That was the talk. That was it. Like, like, like we didn't open up. The, my dad was a pastor. We didn't open up the word. Let me, let me share with you the wisdom of God's word. No, it was just these three things. If you do them, you're, I will kill you. And, and, I, and this is the thing is, I, I believed him. I really, honestly, I really, really honestly believed that he would. And, and so... But so, yeah, he was a little bit scary, but even still, there was this, there was just this overwhelming feeling that, I don't know, there's something about a dad. Like, he's, he's got this. I don't, I don't have, I can, I can turn, you know, things off and be a kid because dad's around and he's going to, he's going to take care of everything. Um, and this is, this is what is wrapped up into that prayer of our father, our father. It's not just developing a sense of intimacy with God, although I think that is wrapped up in there. I think more than anything, it's an acknowledgement that I have a father. He has a plan. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. That, you know, when we gather together as a body of believers, and we worship together and we learn together and that sort of thing, we don't, maybe you do, but let me, let me try to change your thinking. We don't come in here, uh, you don't come in this room just for the sake of, I need to better myself. We gather together as a body of believers uh, because we have a hope that God has better things coming. That's why we gather. We gather together because we live in this fallen, broken world. And when we come together, it's a declaration as a body of believers that I have a father, he has a plan, and everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. That is really this whole kingdom mentality that we keep talking about in church. The idea that we want to bring the kingdom into Dixon. That there is a plan, a better plan for a way of life that God has established since the beginning of time. And he is going to make all things ultimately right one day. But in the meantime, we have work to do to help usher in that kingdom in the right here and the right now. God has a plan. and Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. In fact, put that next slide up. Oh, there is it right there. Okay, so would you just say this with me? Would you just repeat it with me? I have a father... And he's taking care of everything. Just say it. Say it like you mean it. I have a father, and he's taking care of everything. Let that be your, your mantra, your new mantra. When, when, when things go rough, when things don't go in a direction that you thought they were, should go or you wanted them to go, when you feel like you get that punch in the gut of bad news, when whatever happens, I have a father, and he's taking care of everything. I have a father, and he is taking care of everything. He has a plan, and it's all going to be okay.
It's all going to be okay. So I'm going to wrap it up early today. For everybody in the room, I want that to be your mentality. That no matter what it is you're going through, no matter how rough things are getting, God is sovereign. God is in control. He has established purposes and he will see them through. That he that began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Complete it. That you have a father. Everything is going to be okay. Now, for the dads in the room, I have an additional message for you. Okay? I, I want you to just kind of take a little inventory over the last, I don't know, year, two, five years of your life. And just ask yourself. I'm, gonna do, I'm doing the same thing for me. Ask yourself, have I been fathering in a way that my family feels like I have a father and everything's going to be okay? I have a father. Everything's going to be okay. Like, are you steady for your family? Are you reliable for your family? Are you there for them? Even when they don't know you need to be there for them. Are you rooting for them? Are you cheering them on? Are you redeeming them and rescuing them out of the situations that they need to be rescued out of? Does your family overall have a sense of, I have a father and everything's going to be okay? If you're like me, uh, you can probably say that a lot of the time, I think so, uh, but some of the time, I'm probably a pretty decent failure at that in that arena. And so, would you just join me in kind of as a father here on Father's Day, taking up the challenge of, you know what, for, for this next year, uh, I want to establish a new pattern of kind of my presence as a father in our home. And you know, I, I could preach a long message about all the, you know, 12 happy hops to being a great father, you know, whatever. But just do this one thing. Just, do this, just, just establish this, this new kind of, mentality about the way you father in your home and just decide that I want my I want my children, I want my family to just have a sense of security, a sense, a, a sense of everything's going to be okay because dad's around. Um, and that might mean a hundred different things. But be there for your family. Don't be like, like, like I, a lot of times I'll see fathers who are just emotionally uh, physically even, just all over the map. Like, like I see kids walking around on eggshells around their fathers because they don't know which version of dad they're going to get that day, right? Is it going to be happy, fun dad? Is it going to be uh, logical, let me help you with the situation dad? Or is it going to be flying off the handle, you know, run for the hills dad? Uh, let's be Let's be a steady presence in our home. Let's be a a sense of security in our homes, dads. Let, let, let our families, even though they're not saying it, even though they may never thank you for it, let our families, you know, one day look back on the way that you fathered and be able to say, you know, when I look back, everything was always cool when dad was around. Like, it was, I just knew everything was going to be okay. He scared me a little bit, but everything was going to be okay. <laughs> everything was going to be okay. Let's be those kind of dads. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for your word today, and we thank you <coughs> that indeed you are 
um, a father <coughs> to us, and you do have a plan. And that plan is trustworthy, and it is faithful, because you are faithful, and you are trustworthy. And God, when we start to feel out of control and anxious about our lives or about current events or the political situation or our jobs or even our families or whatever else, God, help us to lean into that idea, God, that we do have a Father and everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. We love you so much. And uh, thank you for being a good Father. Thank you for being a father to us fathers, an example of fathering to us fathers that we can look to and aim for. And help us, uh, all of us in the room that are fathers, help us to be that kind of um, steadying, calming, security-giving, confidence-building presence in the lives of our families that they need from us. God, where we as fathers um, are immature, I pray that you would just weed that immaturity out of us. Help us to constantly look to you and your example. Again, thank you. Thank you so much for being in control of a world that feels oftentimes out of control, but God, we're going to rest in the knowledge that, that you are sovereign, that you are sovereign. We love you so much. We thank you for our time together today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.